Why are cops getting us high and making us drive? Learn how stoner jobs will be protected in Washington thanks to a new bill. Locally, Floridians are trying to grow their own medical marijuana. Should unborn babies go to jail? We interview Whitney Beatty, the founder and CEO of Josephine and Billy's and of Apothecary Brands. So stick around. That was good. <laughs> We hope that got your attention. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Sunny D. And I'm Captain J. And we're, and we're the, the Pot Smoking Moms. Moms. Hey, if you are a fan of the show, please make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. Rate, review, tell your friends and go to our website, PotSmokingMoms.com. I'm ready to sesh. Are you? Yeah, I might. This might, this might tip me over the iceberg, but well, let's see what happens. Uh, if you're ready at home or if you're not ready, you can go ahead and use this time to collect your goodies. We're going to go. Are you not ready? Where's so go get your stuff. Right We're about to sesh. Yes, uh, our smoke sesh is brought to you by Fluent. We appreciate them. Hey, check out their rewards program. Go through our Instagram. They have us, we have them linked. You could sign up for rewards and that way you get a little bonus every time you smoke your weed. Uh, I've got a little bit of uh, Freedom Town Holdings Fatso. It's a heavy hitting indica crossed from GMO Cookies and Legend OG. Funky fuel, garlic aromas, and flavors permeate the senses as you fall deeper into massive physical relaxation. Beginning with a quick cerebral rush. In addition, for Freedom Town Holdings Fat Cell users note benefits in relieving symptoms associated with insomnia, chronic pain, appetite loss, and anxiety. Major terpenes here is uh, one of my favorites, limonene, followed by my other favorites, caryophylline and myrcene. Sweet. That sounds great. I have a Freedom, Freedom Town Holdings as well. Chocolate marshmallow uh, makes an impact in even small doses. This well-balanced hybrid is a rare masterpiece from an exotic genetics crossed with Gorilla Glue, Gorilla Glue number four and mint chocolate chip. Hmm. So the earthy diesel and cocoa aromas and flavors carry your senses like a boat floating down a chocolate river and leave you feeling relaxed with potent euphoria. Users of this strain note benefits in relieving depression, insomnia, loss of appetite, and stress. Major terpenes are caryophylline, caryophylline, humaline, and linalu. 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 That's a relaxing one. That's uh, what's it that's called? That's like the in, in uh, uh, lavender. Yes, uh, that's correct. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, <sighs> nice. 
That tastes great. Thank you to uh, Fluent. We are like the one in North Miami Beach, but uh, they're all over the place. Yes. Check out our links in bio for a link to their rewards program. Hey, um, I was looking at our uh, stuff, and we actually have a voicemail. You guys want to oh, check out the? We got it's been a, a minute since yeah, we got a message. Let's check it out. Thank you for calling the Pop Smoking Moms Hotline. Please leave your message after the beep. Hey, Pop Smoking Moms, it's your Uncle Joe. And I just want to say I'm a big fan of the podcast. And, you know, I've smoked some pot back in my day. And I tell you, they used to call it reefer. And this stuff today will just knock me on my ass. So anyway, have a great show and much love to y'all. <laughs> oh my god oh good old joe biden oh man. god i love the pictures does of he like eating the ice cream. right is that what he Great does job. now all he does is eat ice cream no <laughs> there are dozens and dozens of photos of joe biden eating ice cream by the way <laughs> is that, really is that like a thing is he there a website cream, i guess <clears throat> i mean who doesn't love ice cream but i like Nazis. that that's great <laughs> A whole Instagram dedicated to Joe Biden ice cream eating. <laughs> oh, man. So you guys, you can leave us a message if you go to our anchor uh, where we host our podcast. Leave us a message and we'd play it on the show. Yeah, leave us a voicemail. I'm so glad Joe Biden just dropped in <laughs> on us like that. Very randomly. I love it. Good to hear, uh, you know, our presidents are listening to the Pot Smoking Moms. Uh, but sp special thank you to our patrons um, who we can't do this without you guys. You inspire us, you keep us going, you help us fund this because <laughs> there are costs, costs associated with it. There so is. Thank you so much. We're in too deep now. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you for supporting us and this dream that hopefully is your dream too. And if you can support us, check out our Patreon, check out the tiers, the things that we have. Uh, be, come into our Discord community and sesh with us at least, what, three times a week? Come, come <laughs> sesh with us. Look, there is a QR code if you are on YouTube right now. Hey, look, if you're not on YouTube right now, you need to go to YouTube and subscribe to our podcast. Also, you can see our beautiful faces now. We put on makeup just for you. We didn't used to. You could also scan this little QR code. It'll take you right to our Patreon page. And you can see all the exclusive perks. And we can continue to keep this show going and with your help. speaking of our Patreons, we're going to be going on a trip with them soon. Our patrons coming up in Orlando, uh, March 10th through 12th. We're so excited. We're like literally counting down the days in the, in the Discord chat. We're like, 14 days, 13 days. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So that's going to be fun. And if you're in the Orlando area, meet up with us. We're going to dinner. We're going to brunch. Stay tuned to our social media. We'll be posting stuff about that as it gets closer. We're also going to. We're going to uh, Alpro. Yeah. Alternative Products Expo. For those of you that don't know, uh, here you get to see all of the innovative products. Uh, and by innovative, uh, we mean cannabis products and <laughs> CBD and uh, mushrooms even. And all kinds of really interesting um, products. You'd be one of the first people to get a look at all the amazing products coming out to the market. Join us in Fort Lauderdale, March 3rd through the 5th. You can get free tickets uh, using our promo code POPMOMS. 
we'll I think be we're going to be there on the 4th, right? Yeah, that's a Saturday. That's the Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we'll be on there on the Saturday. DM us if you know, uh, if you want to drop by and uh, link up while we're out there. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm excited to see all the different yeah. uh, products and vendors that are going to be there. I like going to the expo and just walking around. I like having a table and, and like, too. yeah, you meet people. I like having a spa because it forces us to like talk to people mm -hmm. because it's, I think like we're, uh, we like socializing, but we're very hard to do small talk and to like initiate conversations. We're a little like, yeah, like, you know, we like to socialize, but not confident enough to just go up to somebody and start right. a conversation. So when we have the table, people are just coming up to us. So we're like, okay, this works. <laughs> right. And, um, but it's cool to kind of chill too, because there's not no pressure. We're having a little base. <laughs> look up look at the products because when you have a booth and stuff you have to stay there you yeah. don't really get to enjoy the rest of it but we'll be hanging out so hit us up <laughs> i i feel like i should have we should have a movie tv show segment okay this is a proposal we do talk a lot about what we watch we do and as we get older and our tastes get you know tastier more refined <laughs> We are, you know, and more we get more opinionated, uh, I feel like, <laughs> as viejos, uh, as old people. But I feel like uh, a, a lot of uh, stoners uh, can relate. We love watching movies, watching TV shows to get away from the everyday things oh, and yeah, blah, that's blah, my blah. That's my get away from life. Discount. You're a binger. Yeah, you I can love actually... to binge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why when you're telling me you're complaining about these movies, I don't I know, watch I know, a lot of movies because I prefer the media of TV shows. TV shows. I like short. It's going to be one hour or a half hour. That's why I really like the show I'm watching. Now. I like the I like the idea of that on TV shows that you have the ability to, to watch an episode. Mm -hmm. uh, watching Atlanta was great. Episodes weren't even that long. Mm -hmm. Very easy to consume. And and I just want to throw out that Atlanta to me is one of the best shows, TV Fantastic. shows there is. OK, Agreed. to set the bar kind of like for what I'm about to say. Uh, you and me don't agree so much on everything. I I I know that my I can my attention's all over the place. And yeah, you very posted hard. like, oh, The Last of Us, you weren't for liking me? it. I was like, no. I cannot okay. let that stand Wait. without right, saying right, this right. is not me. <laughs> I do not agree. I am enjoying The Last of Us thoroughly. I don't I don't. I understand where you're saying it's similar. Let me to elaborate, Dead. though. Let me elaborate, though, on that. And that's good that you bring it up because it's part of the conversation, right? The whole conversation for me is like I start shows and a lot of times I don't continue to watch yeah. them. And I try to do White Lotus because you guys were telling me um, to watch it. I thought it, it might be a good premise. I watched it and I couldn't relate to any of the characters. Everybody's rich. I just was like, these people are vapid. I don't like I, I didn't really couldn't really do it stopped it the last of us i like the actors obviously pedro pascal is like the thick guy right now mm -hmm. but he's great I, I liked him in mandalorian and all that um and he's hispanic so that kind of makes me proud that he's like doing his thing the show is great i do really think it has a lot of walking dead connotations which gives it room to have the same just a similar plot with the same storyline revolving. And it's just like, it's, oh, well, we're going to introduce new characters different. here. And then they betray them and they continue in their journey. And then people, the walkers, the mushroom people try to kill them. And they go, one of them almost dies. We fucking, oh, and one dies. 
I thought the um the whole what episode, episode did you get up to? Let me let me I like I want to know show. where you how far you and got. let me tell you the episode with Ron Swanson and his and his husband yes. I thought was an amazing episode. Okay, it good. caught me off guard. I cried. I, I cried too. I thought it was great. Um, but again, a lot of it comes circles back over to the same kind of idea, right? Things become predictable for me. And that's when I start to just tune out because like, I know what's happening. There's uh, there was a point in time when, okay, the girl mm-hmm. wants a gun, wants a gun, wants a gun. Okay. I'm thinking like, just give her the fucking gun. Like she's, a, you know, whatever you've already, you have already, your characters have already been developed enough to know that she, you're looking out for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, but he's the father figure. So no, she can't have he the gun. He just doesn't want a child. Right? When she a gun. finds the gun, I'm like, this is what I turn around and I tell my husband. I go, she is going to save him. He is going to take the gun away from her because she wasn't supposed to have it in the first place. <laughs> when that shit played out, I was like, oh my God, you see, you see, <laughs> it's the same thing. I knew it was going to happen. It's too predictable. I'm going to continue watching it because it's very well done. I love the acting. I'm not going to jump off just yet. You know, I'll keep going. But I will say that it's very, very similar to Walking Dead. And I fell off because it was always the same thing. <laughs> it was kept repeating a circle, a cycle that kept repeating. I didn't I didn't finish Walking Dead also because I felt that way. You know, and then Negan. But became that's, this, not, like, that's not what's going to happen caricature with of a villain. show because... There's almost oh, there's only so much source content. It's not like The Walking Dead where it's like a graphic novel series that was already very long and very developed, and then it became its own thing also on TV. And they just kept so what are you milking saying? All that the this money is going to be like a more short lived series. You're not gonna. I think go it's f- maybe four or five seasons, not like what Walking Dead. Well, that would make sense. And this is another argument that I had. Like, stop making things eight seasons if it's going to be the same circular storyline over and over and over again just different characters i feel like most fantastic shows are about four to five seasons like what breaking bad is what five or six i think it was four is it no i think it's more than four well one that was too long is how i met your mother ran eight seasons and they fucked everybody over in the last fucking season yeah and i said millennials will never far. recover from that shit so <laughs> i will never so commit to eight seasons of any fucking tv show okay okay so then with the tv show situation right because then i started talking to my husband had a we had a very deep conversation this morning about this game of thrones okay fucking one of the most epic uh shows of all time something i wanted to binge yeah okay they a show that made people feel things all right the red <laughs> wedding don't tell me you didn't watch the red wedding and fucking sob like a bitch afterwards because i, I was pregnant when i saw that oh yeah that was even worse and i cried like a fucking baby i was sobbing my husband turns around and goes are you serious and i was like what happened yeah it was a lot but i fit but it's like TV makes you feel something. I like that. I like that. Anyways, movie time, right? (laughs) We're on Netflix. So let me go to movie time. I tried to watch two movies this week, girl, and I bailed midway through both movies. Okay. Again, predictable. Hollywood uses the same fucking people over and over again. There's no effort put into storyline. Everything goes into actors. Why? Because, oh, I love Kristen Bell, so I'll watch her in anything. This is kind of what happened. First movie I started watching was uh 
what is the movie with uh, the the one you with people? Uh, you people, right? It's uh, Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill. Okay. I look at all these people. Fucking David great, Duchovny great and uh, Lu, Julia Louise Dreyfus. I love her. She is an icon for me. A legend. Jonah Hill. Yeah, Eddie Murphy, Nia Long, wonderful. And I, I don't know this girl's name, the actress, but I loved her a lot. I thought she was great. Is she Kenya Barris? I don't know. I don't know. I know she was up there. I tried to watch it. For starters, why is everybody in the movie now rich? In movies now rich. <laughs> everybody has buku books. Nobody just lives a modest lifestyle. Everybody's fucking bonkers rich with fucking flashy outfits. Whatever. Well, I don't feel like that's every movie. Those I are just the feel like that. I guess, but to me, that's a majority of the move of the recent movies that have been coming out. They're trying to normalize like these rich Instagram lifestyles. I just don't think that's the narrative we want to continuously force people to see. But anyways, I like the jokes in the movie. Um, Jonah Hill plays this guy who has a podcast, and the the the, the his co-host on the podcast is hilarious i've seen her do stand-up amazing I, hilarious but then there was like the romance between which i don't want to like i think jonah hill should be a leading man i think he should be in a romantic film i want to see that but i feel like they set him up to be this Awkward. It was weird. The chemistry. You told me that the people were writing things about this movie, which I wasn't I, I, to prior to watching it. It was it was TikToks that I saw. TikToks that you saw and there were people saying, reviews. I watch a, I, a lot of the content creators that come up on my feed. Like I, movie reviews. Reviewers. Yeah. And they just said that the chemistry between the two characters was very forced. It didn't feel it felt there. very. Yeah, it, it wasn't there. Uh, and then they were. Apparently, the kiss at the end, like, or I don't know if it's at the end, but the kiss between them. There was a kiss, which I didn't know this, but you say it's. Apparently, it was CGI'd. Like, they didn't actually kiss. And from someone who saw it, I feel like. I'm I, like, why I, would you CGI I think I, a kiss? I think I bailed uh, a little bit after this because I was like, that was weird. They kissed. And to me, I was like, wow, he to. He's supposed to be in lower. That's that's the kiss that I had. Like that was lackluster. <laughs> there was no chemistry in the kiss. It was I bland. Seen it, but I saw like a clip of it on like a. TikTok. It was weird. It, was, it looked weird. Like they it were felt... coming in slow to each other or something. Yeah, I don't know. It felt weird. Then they rely on like the stereotype tropes, right? Because her her family is black and his family is Jewish, so it's like they play on the stereotypes of the people, and I kind of like. That's also annoying because like I, you know, why are we, it's hacky to me and that feels hacky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, and then they're going to, and they're getting married. So now it's like the families, which so is like the story the I buy. No, I had to go. And rest. what was the other one? The other one I watched was, uh, Kristen Bell, Allison Janey in, uh, the, the people, people we, we hate, hate at, at the, the wedding. wedding. Okay. Oh my God. Look at that picture. It's awful. That Photoshop is terrible. <laughs> whoever whoever did that, well, that's people awful. People we hate at the wedding. Right. So the whole premise is this, the mixed girl is the stepsister to Kristen Bell and the guy, right? Okay. Alice and Janie had a romance with this girl's father. Uh, they, he cheats on her. He's from uh, the, the UK. Mm -hmm. And then she has and goes to America and has kids with... Um, 
80 miles. I don't know if you know this guy. He's from In Review. He's funny. Comedian. I don't know. I, I would, I would I never watch that movie if I saw it in my... The thing is, is the trailer. <laughs> it's, I think, on Amazon. The trailer came Maybe up. Maybe because of Kristen Bell. And I love Kristen Bell. The trailer came up and it looked like a, like kind of like a dark comedy or something. Uh, and then again, it was like the same fucking storyline. Uh, she's rich. The girl that's married, getting married is rich. Why is everybody who go uh, gets married in a movie always has buku books? Because it's the only way you can afford a wedding nowadays. I mean, like, show me some fucking backyard wedding where everything goes wrong. Like, that's a fun movie to watch. Don't show me some fucking Instagram worthy wedding. This she's flying out all of her family in fucking first class. Like, what? What? The relatability of these characters is like nil. Everybody's well off. It's not like oh, the sister's that poor and struggling. Mm -hmm. But anyways. I just feel like they keep making the same shit and I'm going to have to start going international to find my shit, find new shows internationally. Watch more uh, independent, independent I'm going to go searching far and wide for the independent shit because I, I all of this don't is... don't watch movies anymore as much. I like I just movies. stick to And my thing shows. is, but I have like an hour and a half. Like, right? That's like, movies should be about an hour and 45 Not minutes. Anymore. I see these two-hour movies. I'm like, what the fuck? How now. can you watch that in one sitting? Not a parent. Not me. Not a stoner parent that has, you know. <laughs> that's why. Too that's much my to do. shows. Shows are good. You watch one, you go to sleep. I got two if I'm, you can. Right now, I'm hooked on a uh, servant. And I got this recommendation through one of our patrons. Try, Which is always how, how, how it starts. Look Bro. at that. Isn't that Rupert? Isn't that one of Harry Potter well. friends? Yes, it's Rupert Grant. Uh, it's Ron Weasley. Ron uh, Weasley. <laughs> which is a big reason why I wanted to watch it. And his sister, um, she is from Six Feet Under. She was the, the younger one out of the siblings from the, the family. And then I've never seen this girl before. She, this is the first thing I've seen her in. And then that guy... I've seen him in stuff before, but I don't remember. The premise I'm, is cool. It's like sci-fi, right? uh it's or like uh, no like it's like, like scary like, kind of scary. Not fantasy it, it, culty occult like occult yeah occult that's how that's that genre yeah. right occ right like -O -O yeah um but the premise of the show i don't know i could give a small premise yeah premise do it is basically they just had a baby and they're hiring the nanny the young girl's the nanny that comes and the nanny is there to take care of a baby that's not really a baby. It's a doll. Because the mother, like, they lost the baby young. Oh, no. And she's had trouble coping with losing her baby. So they've been, like, oh, ending wow, with this yeah, doll. Right. So. That's. But it gets crazy. And I am. All, you know what? I'm going to try to watch that. Obviously, I go in a couple episodes. If it doesn't do it by the third or fourth episode, I bail. But and at least great, like I gave it a good hour shot. episodes. I love that half hour episodes quick. So you could easily I have a few things to say about M. Night Shyamalan, Eminem, but it is really weird. So remember, know. it is M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, which I like and hate. You know, I there's I like his stuff, but there's uh, parts of his stuff that I'm like, dude, the twist. Is Let me write twisty. the end. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, Can I just write the for end you? for you? <laughs> Can I just help you with the ending here, sir? <laughs> yes. Well, this apparently is four seasons, and this is the last season. Oh, so, cool! Look, four seasons, I half like that hour too. episodes. You already know what you're getting into. You know how much, how long the whole show is. I recommend I like it. It's good. True.
cool. Well, I don't know if you'll that. like it because you didn't like my last couple recommendations. You didn't like I, I, White Lotus. Yeah, the or White Lotus, I know. What The Last of Us, you're on the fence. I'm going to keep watching that, though. <laughs> it, it, for the acting and for the special effects, I'm telling you, that Ron Swanson episode, I wish I knew his real actual actor name. <laughs> I hate calling him Ron Swanson, but that's just, just more notable. You know, for life, kind of. But like that was a really good episode. It was. It was a fantastic episode. And originally the like the default director's cut is like two hours long. I would like to see the girl wreck some shit, to be honest. Like I want to see her be I'm badass, sure we will. you know? I'm sure we will. This is just the so, beginning. Whatever. Hey guys, enough about us and our fucking opinions on movies. <laughs> Here is a wonderful segment you've grown to love. News Nugs, where we get high and read the news news to you. you. (laughs) So police are getting people high as part of a stoned driving training. Yes, yes, that's right. Cops in Maryland will get you stoned and provide the snacks. Driving while stoned, it has become one of the more vexing challenges for law enforcement in the era of legalization. With cops across the country struggling to square the jurisdiction's new cannabis laws with their mandate to keep the roads safe. The Washington Post detailed how a police department in Maryland, where voters approved a measure legalizing recreational pot last year, are preparing for a potential spike in in, in impaired drivers on the roads. According to the Washington Post, the Montgomery County, Maryland Police Department holds a gathering two or three times per year. Montgomery County brings in marijuana smokers, literally goes to pick them up in police cars and walks them to the tents outside its training academy so they can get stoned. Bags of Cheetos, bottles of water, and plenty of pizza are on the house, oh the God. report said. Because obviously we're stoners and that's like... That's what we, what we want, apparently. <laughs> Participants are then used as test subjects for officers trying to determine whether someone is too high to drive. That's not easy. Unlike people who drive drunk and whose impairment can be quantified by breathalyzers and blood alcohol tests, it's more difficult to discern with that. <laughs> The exercise, according to the Post, is increasingly being held at police agencies nationwide. What? As states and cities have lined up to reform their existing cannabis laws and end the prohibition on pot, law enforcement in those jurisdictions have often had to play catch up. This is insane. Yeah. So it's happening in multiple places. So that was in Maryland. This is in Virginia, which became the first state in the southern United States to legalize recreational cannabis in 2021. Officials began exploring options last year to crack down on stone driving. Virginia officials said the oral fluid tests under consideration to detect marijuana intoxication are similar to a preliminary breath test. What? An oral fluid test? A roadside test for alcohol. The test results, while not admissible in court, can help determine when cannabis was consumed and can be combined with other factors to get probable cause for extensive blood testing. Jeez. The Virginian pilot uh, reported in December. The newspaper also said that the officials were considering changing state law to allow roadside screening devices in which officers and deputies can have a driver swab his or her cheek in order to gather saliva to test for marijuana and other drugs. That's crazy. That's also like taking your DNA. 
In New York, which legalized recreational cannabis for adults in 2021, officials were said to be scrambling last fall as a race to develop the mechanism to determine whether or not someone is too stoned to drive. Identifying drivers impaired by cannabis use is of critical importance. However, unlike alcohol, there are currently no evidence-based methods to detect cannabis-impaired driving, read a memo from New York Governor Kathy Hochul's office. The stone driving simulations in Montgomery County, Maryland, might be the most novel effort yet. <laughs> the Washington Post story provided an account of a recent session held on a Thursday night in January that lasted nearly four hours. <laughs> Participants engaged in 30-minute consumption se sessions followed by impairment evaluations inside the building and then repeated the cycle. During the second consumption session, officers asked if any volunteers wanted to add alcohol to the mix. Oh, that that's like... <laughs> that's cheating! That's already like... That's not really gauging right. cannabis consumption, like how impaired you get. Once you add alcohol, that skews everything up, fucks it all up. Who wants a Bud Light? Asked Lieutenant John O'Brien, leaning over a cooler. Then Gross. I hope nobody, <laughs> I hope nobody wants a fucking Bud Light. If you're a stoner, I'm sure you got better taste than to go with, oh, Bud Light? Oh, sure. Hand it over, buddy. Some people like it. Like, it's like water. I don't know. Oh, then he grabbed another. He grabbed, <laughs> then a, bottle he grabbed of booze. a large bottle of booze. Captain Morgan. Jeez. None of the subjects drive home. They return via the cops who brought them all hold medical use cannabis cards and are reimbursed for the product they ingest. The Post said that the Montgomery has been a leader in the Cannabis Labs programs, also called Green Labs, which experts say appears to be operating in nearly 10 states. So, yeah. So uh, this sounds like a whole fucking setup. If anybody says, hey, do you want to come over? <laughs> if the if any cop comes and says, hey, uh, are you like weed? Come on <laughs> over. We'll get we'll hook you up with some some goodies, some snacks and treats. As long as you drive your car around for me. First of all, that's creepy. Don't let anybody talk you into well, doing wait, that. They never said that they drove. Well, I would suggest I would hope that it stopped at the Bud and the Bud Light and the Captain Morgan. It, if seemed, they're like accepting they just, that. it seemed like they just got them high and then like evaluated them. They like like there. They, they said that it was several hours and then there were 30 minute sessions of consuming and then they would be evaluated and it would repeat. But they never said that there's I mean, the last part of the evaluation was them driving. There's a whole story. Yeah, that's the whole story. Because they don't ever say what happened, right? They never say, like, what... It just says participants how they in a 30-minute consumption session followed because by what? impairment evaluations inside the building. And so I would no like driving. to... Oh, but that's so stupid then. <laughs> and then on top of that, that, how would you even know then what, what, what do they do that would make you think they're stoned? I guess they how probably... How could you even... They kind pull, of the same similar test they give you when you're they drunk. pull you over when you're drunk to see if how impaired you are. Probably similar to that. I don't know, but there was no driving involved. I don't know. But I always thought that, like, the best way to determine speed limits is to just have a really stolen person drive that road. Because I almost feel like every time I'm driving high, I am going exactly the speed limit. And that's not even on, like... I'm aware of, like, yeah, I'm aware. Per I'm like, oh, this is, like, the perfect speed for this road. <laughs> <laughs> Your judgment is impeccable. <laughs> You should be the right. the gold standard for pot smoking mom. I don't know. I, that sounds sketch. Going to smoke with cops. Yeah, right. <laughs> it should stop there. 
if a cop is like, hey, I got some snacks, you'd be like, no, bro, I don't need your snacks. I got my own. Thank I can, you. I can buy my own snacks. I can buy my own flowers. See? I'm good. And if you become a patron and we're able to make enough money, this was where we would insert the sketch <laughs> of the cop trying to get you to do the tests for him to see how to tell if you're stoned. Yeah. Bad news. Don't do it. <laughs> if you need snacks, hit us up. We got the snacks. Don't don't go to cops for snacks or pizza. Next story. That matter. <laughs> Our next story: Washington Senate passes bill banning hiring discrimination for pot use. Okay, this Yay! sounds promising. <laughs> so the Washington Senate this week approved a bill that would protect cannabis users from pre-employment job discrimination. The measure, Senate Bill 5123, was passed by the state Senate on Wednesday by a vote of 28 to 21 and will now be considered by the Washington House of Representatives. Oh, it's not. It's not it still needs to be considered oh, by the House of Representatives. Word. Under the bill, employers would be barred from refusing to hire a job candidate based solely on the results of pre-employment screening for cannabis use. So basically, they can't test. Right? That's what I'm understanding. The legislation does not include protection for other substances, so screenings for other drugs would still be allowed during the hiring process. So we're sure you know how to evade those tests already. Because <laughs> isn't weed, say, the longest in your system anyway? Yeah, weed is the longest. Yeah. It comes down to discriminating against people who use cannabis. State Senator Karen Kaiser, the lead sponsor of the bill and the chair of the Senate Labor and Commerce Committee, said in a statement cited by the online news site, The Center Square. For people using a legal substance, having a pre-employment test like this is just plain unfair and should stop. At a time when the number of unfilled positions is extremely high, we shouldn't be limiting our workforce by deterring qualified job applicants, she said. This legislation opens the door for people who might otherwise not even apply for a position. So, like, I wonder if that also applies if they have any, like, past cannabis possession charges in their background. Hmm. The legislation does not apply to some jobs, including positions in the airline and aerospace industries. The measure also does not apply to jobs that require a federal background check or security clearance. While the bill protects potential employees from drug tests while applying for a job, Kaiser noted that the bill does not prevent employers from subjecting their workers to drug screenings for weed during employment. What? Probably like, um, like, uh... Like you workers can still be comp. fired for like it. workers comp, right? Like if you're if you if you test positive during a, during yeah, work hours, which if you smoke weed, you will test positive. Yeah. Period. Even if you're not smoking during work hours. Under the measure, companies will still be allowed to fire employees who test positive for cannabis in order to maintain a drug-free workplace. Employers could also subject employees to a drug test for cannabis use after a workplace accident or if they suspect the workers impaired by cannabis on the job. If your employer wants to test you every week after you're hired, they're still able to do that. Oh I just said, this is simply opening the door, front door of getting into a job because too many people who see they have to take a drug test to even apply don't even, even apply. apply. And honestly, as someone who's applying, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Washington legalized recreational pot in 2012. Uh, the passage of the initiative 502, a ballot measure that was supported by nearly 56% of voters. But while the measure protected cannabis users from prosecution, the initiative did not include protections for workers who use weed off the job. Nevada became the first state to protect job applicants from pre-employment drug tests for cannabis in 2019. 
Since then, other states have also passed employment protection measures, including California bill protecting workers from discrimination based on their use of marijuana while off the clock that was passed last year. Cannabis advocates who support employment protections note that current drug screenings can only determine the presence of cannabis metabolites, which can remain in the system long after using marijuana. Earl Bison, executive director of the Cannabis Alliance, told lawmakers at a public hearing last month that potential job candidates can't consume cannabis legally and still test positive weeks later. Yep. I mean, like, doesn't everybody know that? If the same approach were applied to alcohol, employers would refuse employment to anyone who enjoyed a beer or a glass of wine on the weekend, said Bryson. We all know that this is not a workable standard. It is simply doesn't make sense to base an employment decision on that kind of unreliable outcome and test, Kaiser told her colleagues in the Senate before Wednesday's vote. I think it's a waste of money and time, too, on True. everybody's behalf. Brian Fitzpatrick, CEO of the Cannabis Industry Compliance Platform, Credible said that there are legitimate reasons for some employers to maintain a drug-free workplace, but he added that exceptions need to be made, particularly for medical cannabis users, but also for responsible adult users. There are policies that exist that govern not showing up for work intoxicated under the influence of alcohol, and cannabis should be no different, Fitzpatrick wrote in an email to High Times. Unlike alcohol, there is research suggesting that cannabis use does not significantly impair job performance, as such, employers should reevaluate their policies regarding cannabis use to create a more equitable approach to cannabis users. Yeah, I mean, it, more bills like this need to pass and they just need to stop testing, period. And it shouldn't be an issue if it's in your history either because it's unfair. Like you have a cannabis possession charge from something you did years ago that's right. completely legal now right you know and it would deter you from getting a job that's also another way you can be discriminated by it but and i think as uh, we continue to try to mm. legalize all over the board uh more and more of these bills and stuff have to be presented yep so now as for our other segment your other favorite segment <laughs> we love this one i love this intro You know what it is, though? It's I think it's also to Levan Hernandez's like hopefulness. I mean, he just has, won the fucking World Series. Oh my god! And he, yeah, he had <laughs> just like, gotten here body. too. He, yeah, what a way to <laughs> to you be. Know. Welcome to America. I know. <laughs> <laughs> a proposal would permit for Floridians to grow their own medical marijuana. Okay, let's see what this is about. Mm -hmm. A group is seeking support for constitutional amendment allowing caregivers and adult qualifying patients 21 years or older to cultivate marijuana for medical use. The a political committee a political committee you still ate a it. political committee <laughs> has started moving forward with a proposed constitutional amendment that would allow is that the same thing over again? That would allow medical marijuana patients and patient caregivers to grow cannabis at home. The Wise and Free Florida Committee is seeking to get the proposal on the 2024 ballot, according to newly posted information on the State Divi Division of Elections website. To do so, it would need to submit 891, 589 oh valid petition signatures. Oh, this is my that is so hard. Look at look, 
truly truly is pouring 20 million and they have 150,000 signatures but wait here and this is my whole thing these people want to get this on a 2024 bill and I haven't heard of they, any like, petitions going out about this. This just started. They just so announced. what are they? Twenty twenty four. There's no way. There's no way, bro. They don't have good the va- luck to get eight hundred valid signatures. Yeah, because of the the, the process bro, of getting them the, validated. Yes, and can I say I see the I see the true leave twenty million dollars hard at work when I'm looking for jobs on the job boards. Yep, they're there. And I, I see, see canvasser. And they're paying people good money because they're like, we need these signatures. It's not good money, but it's like not worst money. It's not minimum wage. Right. But uh, but they I, I mean, good luck. I, I, I agree with this. I think it's still sil- silly about uh, it's medical marijuana, right? Medical marijuana because you have your card. Mm-hmm. But. It's not, I mean, you cannot be going through the vigorous testing that the state makes these people go through, dispensaries go through. Well, no, they're, you're not going to be, you're be going your own. You wouldn't be able to. Right. You wouldn't have to do anything. all that. Are you you right? wouldn't have to qualify. You, you're just getting your own. I'm assuming they're probably going to have some kind of license process because it says caregivers also. So there's probably going to be like a caregiver's license that you can get and you're going to be allowed to grow a certain number of plants for every patient you grow for. Right. Like other states have done it. A summary of the proposal said it would allow caregivers and adult qualifying patients 21 years and older to cultivate marijuana for medical use and that cultivation would be limited to the cultivator's home. The proposal comes as a committee known as a Smart and Safe Florida tries to get an amendment on the 2024 ballot to allow recreational use of marijuana. That's a truly one. That committee, here we go, they've, they're following up. Oh, they're up to 291,999 valid, valid signatures. signatures. As of Friday afternoon, and this story came out on the 21st of February. Yeah, that's so, so that's an improvement. They got And they've put 20, over $20 million into that effort. Um, so good luck for this petition. I mean, we, we're trying to get somebody from them to... From Florida Wise or Wise? Yeah, from Smart and Safe, from Wise. Yeah, Wise. I think oh, I have another slide. Uh, here it is. Wise, Wise Florida. Florida. Their Instagram, they posted recently. Um, they put in their link in bio, the petition. So there's a link there where you can go in. So if you're a patient or even if you're not a patient, you think patients should have the right to be able to grow their own medicine or have somebody grow it for them. Um, this, you know, this is where you can find that petition on their web, on their Instagram. Wise underscore florida and they have it linked there in their bio interesting i mean it'd be yeah. it'd be great you could get a smaller like grower that you know does a well job to be your caregiver grower kind of like together we grow that oh, we had on the here, show yeah. that's what they did <laughs> like, hey, in, in michigan that's what they did over caregiver. there please be my caregiver here okay so this is the <laughs> Yeah, this so if that story. if RTs are really pulled you in. Oh my god. <laughs> so this is a crazy story. A so crazy Florida woman story. argues her unborn baby should be released from jail. Oh my god. Natalia Harrell was six weeks pregnant when she fatally shot another woman. Can we be very clear here? Okay, yes. I was curious okay. when I saw that why is this when I saw this headline, I was like, why is this pregnant woman in jail? And then I said, okay, she's being accused of a murder. And there was, it was actually caught on tape. And I it was watched in an Uber the video. And the it video. was an Uber 
yeah full of people and she popped the cap in someone's probably face not ass in the car full of people in the car full of people i couldn't believe it, it was when I wild saw it. and it's on video so it's like, like very clear yeah it, yeah she she fucked up for so sure. she's awaiting trial she is in prison right now waiting trial this crime occurred in july of last she, year the person she shot is dead she claims her unborn baby is being unlawfully detained the person she shot is dead i believe she's the mother of three the yeah, woman wow. that she killed um in an emergency petition in a florida court miss harrell's lawyer argued that a jail staff had endangered the child through a lack of reasonable and necessary prenatal care the argument draws on the concept that a fetus is a person with rights the idea that an unborn child is a person with constitutional protections has gained traction since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the nationwide right to an abortion known as Roe versus Wade last summer. Ms. Harrell's unborn child is a person as defined under the Florida Constitution and United States Constitution. Attorney William Norris wrote in a legal submission after coughing. <laughs> Uh, the filing was made on behalf of the unborn child and calls for Harrell to be discharged from jail until the child is born so she can receive proper care. An unborn child has rights independence, independent of its mother, even though it's still in the womb, Mr. Norris told oh the Washington God. Post. The unborn child has been deprived of due process of law in this incarceration. Miss Harrell has been jailed without bond in Miami-Dade County since last July after she shot Gladys Yvette Borsella, whom she was traveling with in an Uber. The 24-year-old has pleaded not guilty to second-degree murder. According to Mr. Norris' petition, Miss Harrell acted in self-defense in fear of her life and the fear of her unborn child. He alleges that in jail, his client has not received the prenatal vitamins, food, and liquid she needs or been taken to her scheduled doctor's appointments as well and, and was at one point left in a transport van without air conditioning while temperature soared over 100 degrees. Oh, my God. But that's just in general mistreatment of, of inmates. The way right. they treat people that are incarcerated is just... It's terrible. And and while you're awaiting trial, you're technically... You're, you're innocent until proven guilty. But you're yeah. still subjected to whatever they have you go through. Yeah, and she's being held without bond, so there's no chance for her to bond out of jail. Yeah, well, she shot someone straight up square in the face. But she's still awaiting oh, trial. Right. So technically, technically, as the law yeah, is. If we're getting technical. You know, so. yes, we see in video. I mean, if she we're getting shot somebody. I mean, but this is like, it's getting technical of the technical. Because here was a technical because uh, a technically Which the I, fetus. I feel like that video is why she has no bond. You know, like they're not allowing yeah, any bond that, for her. It's clear. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like clear. clear. You shot that bitch. And yeah, she's dead. Yeah, you know, she's yeah, without yeah. her life. Uh -huh. So we know you're going to be going to prison. So we're not going to let your ass out. Right. Um, but she said she was like, they said that she was six weeks pregnant when the crime occurred. Like, did she even know she was pregnant? Yeah, right, like, right, right. At six well, weeks. Well, but that's why this is a far reach, right? Because, yeah, like, you know, the government's reaching far with their, um, you know, stance on abortion and all that stuff. So, like, she's coming in. I mean, like, you can't. She's coming in with a good, you know, Argument. defense, but like at the same time, it, like, yes, she should be getting a better care because she's pregnant. Yes. So, you know, I do agree that they should get better medical attention. I think they should take care of a Well, it says but, here that her last medical examination was in October and this is being reported in February. Yeah. And Mr. Norris added, making it unclear how far along the pregnancy is or when the 
baby is due to be delivered. In a statement, the Miami-Dade County Corrections and Rehabilitation, Rehabilitation Department said that it was conducting a full review of the health services offered and received to ensure that all prenatal care being provided in the custody is appropriate. And on Monday, the Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody's office called for the position to be dismissed, noting it did not include adequate evidence to support her claims of neglect. Um, like, okay, but she could still be like on house arrest, right? While she's awaiting trial, and why? Why spend the money if her being yeah? But she's locked up. Is she a threat if she squared up and shot some lady in the face in an Uber? Yeah. Obviously, there's no constraint. She is doing stuff she shouldn't be doing. So I don't think she should be in house arrest. But I do think they should have proper care for any woman who's 100 percent if a woman's pregnant i mean in general any medical they should get medical me attention, medical attention menstrual yes. because not, i not understand that they're pregnant. like just in general you they know, should be yeah. getting Fe female care medical female care. care um yeah uh so michael o'brien the father told the nbc miami he was concerned for the child's well-being i don't want the baby to be born prematurely or low birth weight he said the conditions are terrible, and I feel she's not getting the prenatal care she should be getting. Yes, I know, bro, but she shouldn't be fucking popping cap as caps in people's asses either, all willy-nilly like that. I mean, that's fucking crazy. Like, go, you could see the video if you guys want. We're not going to show it here. No, we're not going to show it. You could go watch um, it. It's not graphic, it. but it's at the not. same time, like, it's pretty straight up, like, there's no if ands but buts the things about that it. she thought her life was in danger was self-defense she's like she's claiming also stand her ground because the girl came at her yeah like she, the girl listen, lunged at her she is in trouble but they're in a car <laughs> full of other people did you really think that she's going to try any way she can to get out of the situation obviously and i gotta say the government is giving her a little out yeah and i can't are. i can't blame her for using for her using for trying to that, use it. Yeah. But they they but we need them. But I don't we think need it's gonna them work to in say her no, it doesn't though. work because that's oh, oh that's legislation in our court that says, hey, you're right. saying here yeah, that this yeah, is yeah. not a baby, that this right. is not a person with a you know, yeah, if get you're your saying shit straight, here, guys. You can't say it over there. Right. So we gotta you, know, you can't that pick and choose something here. that can help us. That's gonna be the I law know. on our side. Yeah. So I mean abortion rights. You know. There's this is fully loaded, <laughs> you know. It's a crazy story. It is, and right here in Miami, yo, only know, in Miami. It is, it is, uh, only in Miami. <laughs> uh, hey guys, thank you so much for hanging in with us uh, this far into the episode. If you're this, here this long, you should be subscribed to our channel. <laughs> if you're here this long, you better find that subscribe button, that follow button, whatever button. <laughs> Hit that button. Help our channel grow. Thank you, Uncle Jesse, for throwing up those, those graphics. reinforcing words and down there. if you're there. listening, start watching. Yeah. We're cute. <laughs> we got fun. Look at this little weed leaf guy. Look at our trophies. These are our awards. And then you would be able to see the interview that we're about to have right now with the lovely Winnie Beatty. Uh, she's the high mommy life. And uh, Josephine and Billy's is uh, she is one of the founders and CEO it's the first dispensary in the nation focused on the recreational and medicinal needs of women of color. It's named for Josephine Baker and Billie Holiday, two black women who were demonized for cannabis use. And the store itself is a teapad, 
the black version of a speakeasy where black people would consume cannabis and socialize in the 20s and 30s. We talk about this in our interview with her. We talk about the design that that is gone into this dispensary. Uh, it's really nice. I mean, look at the pictures online. Uh, she's also uh, Apothecary Brands. It's a cannabis storage company with beautiful, beautiful, cases. very high quality lockable cases. It matches the style of her store yeah, of the of the Josephine much. and Billy's. Uh, but here we are. I hope you enjoy this interview with Whitney Beatty. Here it is. Welcome, Whitney. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, meet with us today and tell us a little bit about yourself and your companies. Um, can you tell us a little bit how you got into the cannabis space and how you started your ventures? Ooh, um, sure. So um, I guess I'm not a typical, uh, I guess, cannabis entrepreneur because I didn't use cannabis in high school or college. Um, I grew up in Detroit in the late 80s um, and Nancy Reagan told me to say no to drugs and I believed her. I didn't think she was going to lie to me like that. So <laughs> <laughs> I did not want my, my egg fry head. Um, what ended up happening for me is I um, came to California to get my master's degree um, in film production. And I started working in the entertainment industry um, and I was working my way up. I was putting in these really extremely long days, 16 hour days, living off of coffee and Red Bull and everything that they offered for free because I was poor. And I had an incident one day at my desk where I started having heart palpitations and shortness of breath. And I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, but I thought it would be embarrassing if I got carried out of the office. So I got up, grabbed my car keys and drove myself to the ER um, and left my car where the ambulances were and went in and told them I was, I was dying. Um, and they rushed me to the back and they hooked me up to the EKG machine. And they're like, lady, you're not having a heart attack. You're having an anxiety attack. And I was like, whoa, um, number one, that's not possible because I'm a type A personality and we don't have anxiety. Um, and um, I don't I just didn't believe it. Um, and so they started putting me on a lot of different medications and I was really wary about having to take medications for the rest of my life because of how young I was at the time. And my doctor in an offhand comment was like, well, have you thought about cannabis? And I was like, <gasps> you know, because for me at that time, I was like, this woman's trying to put me on drug drugs. She is like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she needs to get her license taken. Um, but what it did was it made me do my research um, and I kind of did it. Um, uh, two ways. I started learning about the plant and I learned about THC and CBD and the entourage effect. And I learned about terpenes. And eventually I was able to find um, a regimen for myself that was able to take me off of this anxiety medication. Um, but on the other side, and I think probably even more importantly, it made me do my research about why I felt so negatively. Why do I have such negative connotations about this plant? Um, and that took me down a completely different path. Um, you know, I learned about cannabis being plant medicine for 3000 years, um, you know, and being prohibited for 70. And yet that's what we focus on. I learned about, you know, the history of people of color in cannabis and, you know, how slaves were used to harvest hemp. And um, I learned about tea pads and prohibition um, and Harry Anslinger, who, was responsible for prohibition and also said, you know, reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men. Um, and about the intense amount of racism that surrounded uh, prohibition, even the word marijuana um, can, has racist roots. Um, and once I was able to learn all that, I was like, this plant didn't do anything to anybody. Uh, we did <laughs> something to the plant. <clears throat> 
And it changed my whole outlook and it made me a lot more interested in the industry. So I started looking into it um, and I was like, OK, I think that there should you know, there might be a place for me here. And at the time I had a kid and a dog and I really wanted somewhere nice to keep my cannabis. And I realized I had my wine in a wine fridge and my liquor in a bar and my cigars in a humidor. And I kept my high end cannabis in a shoebox under my bed. And I didn't think that made sense. Um, and I wanted a safe place for people to be able to keep their cannabis, keep it fresh um, and keep it locked up. And so I created my first apothecary case and I started the apothecary brand um, back then in 2015 um, and was off to the races, really, uh, working that company. Um, and eventually the city of Los Angeles offered social equity um, uh, within the city. And social equity is the idea that communities of color um, have been disproportionately disenfranchised by the war on drugs and thus deserve prioritization and legalization. Um, that means that, you know, they were over-policed and, and deserve the opportunity um, to get licenses. And I qualified for that program. And so I was like, you know what? I had to do a lot of research. I had to do a lot of work in order to figure out how cannabis could work for me um, and learning about all this history. What if I opened a dispensary that really made that whole process easier? Um, and that's how Josephine and Billy's was born. Um, so now I've got two companies in the cannabis space. <laughs> it's wonderful. And the, let me tell you, your cases are beautiful. We were so beautiful. I feel like as parents, it's really important for us to keep some of that stuff locked up and away from the kids because, you know, anything can happen and you want to kind of just like limit the chances of any of that happening. Obviously, we you're all about educating. So, you know, we educate our kids and we're all about educating our kids. But yeah, I mean, you never you know, know if somebody comes over to play and they wander into a room they're not right. supposed to. And then all of find something. <laughs> yeah, there's so many possibilities. Even if we educate our own children, we don't know, you know, how some other children that may be in our home are educated by their <laughs> parents. So, yeah, the cases are beautiful. Thank and then. You. Let me ask you this, when it came down to it, when you guys, when they were doing the social equity that you were able to apply for the licenses, what kind of like hoops did you have to jump through to get that going? To all the hoops, all the hoops. It was like a hula hoop convention. Um, <laughs> it was all ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, in order to get, and I can only speak to Los Angeles. I have looked at a lot of other programs, but I can speak to my experience in Los Angeles. We had to work, you know, first to qualify for social equity. And in, um, you know, uh, legal terms, yeah, even if you're targeting and trying to help communities that were disproportionately disenfranchised, which are generally communities of color, you can't say communities of color because that is not uh, legal. So what they did was they, um, broke this down by zip codes, zip codes that were disproportionately affected where higher arrest rates were. So we had to prove that we lived in these areas, prove how much money we made, prove how long we lived in these areas um, uh, and go through that. And then you had to, um, in Los Angeles, it was a first come first serve um, application process. So, but we had to have property. So literally, I think they said um, 1800 or so people got, um, uh, approved as equity applicants and 800 uh, applied, which makes for a lot of people, 800 people who have signed 800 leases and 800 locations that are available, you know, in the city. 
and yet only 100 would get selected. Oh, wow. um, I was really lucky and I was in that first 100, but that left 700 people who paid a lot of money, had to get investors um, and who did not get placement. And then that whole process ended up having been a mess. It was audited delayed for all you know long time eventually they ended up uh, granting another um hundred licenses because of lawsuits but because of all those delays for the people who had uh, initially got selected for like me we ended up paying rent on places that we could not sell cannabis out of for years over two years um and so when you're you know disproportionately disenfranchised by the war on drugs and yet you have to pay holding costs because you can't sell the product it becomes really difficult then you have to get then after that they say okay now you can move on and you have to you know do your build out you have to get inspections you have to make sure you're showing your compliance you have to go through all these plan check things so it's one thing after another after another um so it is a uh, time-consuming process for sure. And expensive. Yeah. Let me ask you this too. Uh, out there, you guys don't have vertical integration, right? We do. We do you have do. vertical in integration and it becomes, um, you know, it's a blessing for those companies that have it. But when you're talking about smaller companies like, you know, retail um, or people only have one piece of the pie, it also becomes really difficult for the rest of us to compete. Because if, you know, the big MSO, the big multi-state operator has cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, retail and delivery, then their prices can be a lot better than mine because they are not, you know, uh, passing those charges along. Whereas it becomes more difficult for the smaller uh, independently owned and operated stores because we have to buy all of our product um, from distributors um, and we have to pay those markups. So it becomes, you know, a, a balance. So the vertical integration isn't required in order to participate and be licensed. Yeah. Here no. in Florida, you have to be able to vert be vertical integration to be able to participate. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't have that um, requirement. So you can just have a piece. I know people who are dis just distro, just like us, we're just retail and delivery. Yeah, over here it's uh it's crazy. We're out in Florida. It's medical only out here, but it's a huge. I mean, reports say that we would be our state would probably come in third or fourth in the industry. Uh, mm -hmm. But vertical integration here is difficult. difficult, and on top of that, for minorities, it's kind of non-existent, non-existent here. Programs, right? So, how can you please help us because? We're Latinas and we want to support women of color. We're, we're, we're part of you guys. We want to really do it here. How can we get that going here? How can we get them to agree to social equity so that we can start getting uh, minority-owned and operated businesses here? That's a great question. Um, and I would say the first thing and one of the most important things is being civically involved. And it's not easy, um, but it's critically important that um, that we see women and people of color show up as municipalities, the cities and states start to discuss legalization, um, you know, as they're looking at, you know, going rec legal. What does that look like? What does that licensure process look like? Um, you know, are we going to do carve outs for communities who have been disproportionately harmed? And it's being able to go to those city council meetings, to those cannabis regulatory meetings. And, you know, they always offer that three minutes of open talk. 
having someone there to say something to those people makes all the difference in the world because if they don't hear it, they don't think that their constituencies value it. Um, you know, I'm vice president of an organization called Supernova Women. We're a 501c3 that seeks to encourage women of color to become stakeholders in the cannabis space. And we do that through advocacy, through networking, um, and we really work hard um, to give people the tools across the country to advocate for themselves. So last year we did a study um, that was uh, um, looking at all the social equity programs that are out there. And we were able to um, look at it, look at the numbers and realize that for every dollar spent in an equity program, um, a municipality is guaranteed to get at least a buck 50 back. And if they put the right pieces in place, they can see as much as $4.50 back. So that, you know, those statistics allow us to be able to go and stand in front of people who might not care as much about communities of color, but do care about numbers and, and let them know that, hey, if you invest in this, you know, it's going to... Um, pay off for our community as a whole to be able to um, have the benefits of jobs in these communities and, and participation in the amount of money that is going to be able to flow back um, into these communities of color. All of those things need to be um, you know, mentioned when they're making these decisions, because what we know for sure is if they don't talk about it, they generally don't circle back and put a program in place. It has to be um, towards the beginning um, or uh, always on that table. Um, and it's also important as you look at how they allow participation, i.e. only allowing people to be vertically integrated because it is damn near impossible for um, a small minority company in the beginning to be able to operate all of those licenses. We're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars um, in order to get these businesses off the ground. It's a couple million just for retail. It is more for um, you know, cultivation because we're talking about lights and um, you know, very expensive equipment on top of that. So it really does help to push out those people who can't afford to play. And what we know for sure is that when we're talking about financing these things, it's incredibly difficult and especially difficult for women and it's especially difficult for women of color um, because we can't go to the bank. There's not like a Bank of America is going to be like, you know, I'm going to give you a loan for your cannabis business. They still look at us as being federally illegal because we are. And so you can't get any loans. You can't go to the SBA. You have to be able to get money from angel investors or VCs. So angel investors tend to invest in people that remind them of themselves. They're usually older white men and they tend to give their money to the same. And VCs, the data has been very clear that VCs are giving 2% of their money to women-led businesses. And that's across the board, not just cannabis. So if we're getting 2% of those dollars, and then if you're brown like me, now that number drops down to 0.0006%. So when we're talking about a cannabis industry that used to, when I came into it, everyone was talking about, yay, we got more women than anybody else and more women CEOs in cannabis space and rah, 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 which was awesome. But as all of this VC money started pouring in and these investor dollars, and they're not investing in women, that number's plummeted because it's hard for those women-led businesses to compete when they don't have the funds. That was a very long answer to your question, but there you go. Oh, it was, it was very, a great answer. Yes, Thank you. Very informative. And, and what kind of things does Supernova do to help um, minority-owned businesses come into the industry? 
Great question. We do um, a bunch of things. Um, on the entrepreneurial level, we have workshops, um, programs where we're teaching people um, different par portions of operating a business. How do you deal with tax structure? How do you deal with grow and scale? How do you deal with social media? Being able to give uh, business owners the tools to be successful. We also um, lobby on the state and local level. Um, for law. So, you know, we stood outside of uh, the Capitol and have been pushing for um, lowering excise taxes on um, social equity led businesses, making sure that um, our um, representatives know how important it is that they offer funding along with these programs. You can offer you know, a social equity program. Um, but if you're not giving some sort of grant money or have loan money, um, you know, you're still putting that really out of reach. It's like me offering you um, a license to open a nuclear power plant. You don't have millions and billions of dollars. Like, it's nice. Oh, I got the certificate. I'm never going to get that business off the ground. It's never going to be Whitney's successful nuclear power plant because I don't have the skill set or the money. So they have to be able to put those things in place or else we're not going to be successful. So making sure that we know that they know that, making sure that we show up when there are bills on the ground and that we're offering thought leadership in that way. And then we also do networking events so people can meet each other and be able to work collaboratively in order to build their businesses together, because that's also really important, especially for entrepreneurs, that we get to know each other, knowing how we can help each other, being able to pass information along. It makes us stronger as a community. That's fantastic. We need a lot more of that <clears throat> and representation, excuse me. Um, I would love to see if there's anything we can do to help promote supernova women, women here in Florida um, and try to get more women owned businesses here. It's really hard with the way our, our industry is here. We're only medical. We're not rec. And now it looks like the petition that might make it onto our ballot is being sponsored by a huge, huge uh, MSO, corporation. One MSO. of uh, everybody's favorites, you know, true leave. I'm sure you know about them. And I do. Million I, I, $20 million, actually. $20 million. Dollars. And million this, this bill, which I, every time I see a canvasser trying to get me to sign it, I'm like, uh, hell to the no. The petition. But... It doesn't allow for home grow. And I understand that we've talked to several people, including lawyers who are like, well, in order to get it passed, we got to try to make it as easy as possible and not have so many things. But at the same time, I don't want them to pass something that's going to let them sell more weed and not let me grow it. I mean, I'm not going to, I, I'm terrible. We tried. Sense. I but mean, and and you're hearing this from a cannabis retailer. I sell weed. But you know what? Grocery stores sell tomatoes and they don't ban people from growing tomatoes in their backyard. Exactly. Um, and in the same way, you can't, you know, ban people from growing at home. But the, that also highlights the problem because the big MSOs and these larger companies have money for what? Lobbyists. They have mm -hmm. lobbyists. They have people who can go and talk mm -hmm. to the legislature and help craft these bills. And without mm -hmm. having smaller businesses and smaller players having a seat at the table, our concerns are not taken into account. Of course, big business is going to want to have rules that support big business. It's critical that we make sure that we're also having our voices be heard by standing up next to them and not being intimidated. But it's hard when they've got you know, lobbyists who have better connections. And, and the, the homegirl is not the only issue with that petition because it's also, there's no additional licenses being considered uh, any ways to add licenses. So it's only going to be for like the existing license holders. And there's no, 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 no
and it's, and it's in a plain day. Like you could see it from miles away. You don't have to be delved deep into the cannabis industry to see that what their petition they're setting up is to favor them and only them. And no social, social equity programs tied to it either. It's like, it's bad. Exactly. All of that becomes really concerning, you know, um, and we had issues like that here in so much as our, you know, we went from medical to rec um, and therefore the people who had the medical licenses were grandfathered in, which meant they had a huge head start on the rest of us. They had the ability to build their businesses, build their bases or whatever. And everyone else is playing catch up. And we see what that does uh, to those businesses that are playing catch up. It's really hard and makes it really hurtful. Um, so I think that it's always critical that we make sure that we're not putting um, those other businesses at a detriment uh, for people who have had their opportunity to build their business for years. But like, too, I feel like these big MSOs, they do the most damage because they come into the market. They rule the market. They make it so that weed prices have to go down. And then what do they do? Like Curlyf, then they drop everybody, they fire people, they leave. And now all the smaller dispensaries are having to clean up the mess because they're the ones that were struggling from the get. And now they're kind of left out there in a in a market where, the I mean, are the prices going down out there in California? Because they're going down here. Oh, the price of flour has fallen tremendously. And that becomes the other... Um, uh, hard thing for businesses like mine. Um, so if you have an MSO who is vertically integrated, you know, say they can sell, you know, an eighth for $10, but I, you know, I buy that eighth for $10. So there's no way I can sell it at $10. I need to be selling it at least $25 in order to make some profit and be able to pay all the taxes on it and all those things. Um, so they're undercutting. It's like Walmart. They undercut the market or what have you. And so then these smaller businesses, they do what? They go out of business. And then those licenses are up for availability and then they snatch them up. Um, and now they've grown and these smaller businesses continue to fail because they cannot, they don't have the money to they compete. Up. Yeah. A, a, a big MSO can afford to, you know, cut their prices and wait people out because they have coffers in the bank. Um, and as smaller, you know, women led black, brown led businesses, we don't. Um, and so we're the ones who will be first to die. Well, you're a, a mom too, right? So that has a whole other difficult thing of working in the cannabis industry and being a mother. Can you share with us some of the pains that you've had of being a mom in the cannabis space? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's always interesting uh, being a mom in the cannabis space. Everything from, um, you know, back to school night when all the parents are talking about what they do. It's like, hey, <laughs> Langston's mom pushes weight. <laughs> so, she like, <laughs> it's what I do. Uh, um, you know, and, and wondering if that's going to affect my child. Um, I'm mm -hmm. lucky that, you know, I've had lots of conversations, obviously, with my child about what I do. And if you ask him, he's like, my mom sells plant medicine to women of color. Mm. <laughs> that is yeah. his attitude about it. And I love that for him. Um, so, you know, that is uh, always a little bit, um, you know, you're walking a tightrope. What's also, you know, particularly difficult for me as a single mother is that I own a dispensary and uh, he is obviously not 18. Um, therefore, he can never, ever step foot into the business that his mom owns. And that is hard. 
on a couple different levels. It's hard because he hears about it all the time and he sees it and he was in the space prior to it being licensed um, or whatever. And now that, you know, mom is there all the time, he can never go in and that, that's hard. So I always have, a you know, if he gets dropped off there or something, you know, a little kid who's sitting on the curb in front of a dispensary because um, <laughs> he can't, you know, come, come into mommy's work, um, you know, or I can't even if he's sick and go run in and, you know, like a regular mom would. Um, so that always becomes a bad balance for me as well, you know, knowing that, hey, if I got my kid, I can't go, I can't go cover a shift or I can't do this um, because he can't walk in the door. Um, so that becomes uh, difficult as well. And it's also, you know, on the overall, um, you know, I think a lot of moms who are in this space, especially um, ones who came into the industry around, you know, when I did or earlier, um, have always had, you know, concerns about, you um, uh, CPS or DCFS or whatever it's called within your community having issues with, you know, what you do. Um, you know, am I going to get my kids taken away because I work in the cannabis space or they know that I, you know, consume cannabis or et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that is, though it's the most absurd thing in the world and it upsets the heck out of me. It's still stories that we hear and we see that, you know, people ha are being pro prosecuted, persecuted for cannabis consumption. Um, and it's, you know, I think that as moms, I think that hits a little bit harder. Um, even when I decided to enter this space, coming from, you know, the entertainment industry, I can't tell you how many people told me, hey, you're going to lose your kid. Hey, you're going to lose your kid because, you know, white guys can work in cannabis, but it's not for you. You'll They'll find a way to prosecute you. Um, and that's scary. Um, and so you have to make sure you're educating your kid and make sure that you're educating yourself. But I thought that at the same time, it was really important to put out different views of what a mom who consumed was, what a mom who worked in cannabis was. And that's why, you know, on Instagram, I'm the high mommy life because I talk about my cannabis consumption and I talk about my kid because those are two things that are very real in my life. Um, so I wanted to be able to share that and not feel like it was something that I needed to hide. Well, but I also feel like that helps you because it's very relatable for women like us who are in the same in, in a similar situation or other women out there who smoke and have all of those hangups that you had at the beginning, uh, but but realize how much the medicine helps them. But since everybody around them creates this sort of like stigma. narrative and stigma, you know, uh, they're in the it's closet. Like you're a people mom and you smoke weed. Like, what do you what? What's your kid doing? Like, how right. can you be high around your kid? Yeah. They say as they drink their wine and pop mm -hmm. their uh, Vicodin and uh, everything mm -hmm. else. I'm like, it's fun to be able to judge people. But I think that um, using cannabis makes me a more mindful parent. It makes me a more mindful parent. It gives me that patience that it takes to go sit down on the floor and uh, play Legos for a couple hours. It gives me um, an outlet yeah. for a lot of my stress. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to go put my kid to bed and smoke a joint and really feel like I can like turn turn off the day and turn off some of the anxiety that I might have. Um, all of those things are important. It's a part of self-care. And what we know is that, you know, as research continues to come in, that it's good for anxiety. It's good for PTSD. It's good for um, a lot of these things. And um, I think that it's critical that we're having those conversations um, 
especially with women, um, because what we know for sure is that women are more stressed than men. Um, and actually women of color are the most stressed cohort out there. And yet we have the least access to healthcare. And when we do have access to healthcare, what the research is saying, the data is saying is that the doctors aren't listening to us. And when we can get them to listen to us, oftentimes people don't even have the money to pay for the treatments that are being prescribed. So being able to have access to self safe uh, legal cannabis within their community um, does make a difference. It gives people the opportunity to use plant medicine um, uh, in their healthcare goals. And I think that that is, you know, a, a public health concern. We should be able to have that. I agree 100%. I think if anybody needs cannabis, it's definitely mothers. We've smoked weed for a long time, probably longer than you had said. Yeah, because you we said you didn't and, do it in high school. You're right. And we've been smoking since high school, college. And I feel like becoming a mom has made me smoke even more. It's I'm consumed differently, more now. but right. Yeah, definitely. Um, more. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Help in so many ways. Tell us a little bit about your dispensary, Josephine and Billy's and like what the experience is. It's beautiful. We were looking at pictures. You, do you, we're are, dying to come yeah, out of California. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I, I love Great Gatsby and all of that. Is that, are you, is that, do you guys like that? Because everything looks very, that 20s style. inspired. Right. Very 20s, 30s inspired. So the store is named Josephine and Billy's after Josephine Baker and Billy Holiday because they were two women of color who were persecuted for cannabis consumption. And yet they used the art to fight against injustice and they rejected the mainstream and they wrote their own rules and held the door open for other women who would come after them. And for us, you know, that's goals AF. So that's where like the name came from. And for us, the concept is a tea pad. Tea pads were places in the uh, 20s and 30s where people of color could come together um, because they couldn't go to speakeasies. Um, So you had mixed crowds and people um, of color um, and you got your you know, your writers and your poets and your jazz singers and your thought leaders and your activists all coming together in secret places to consume cannabis and drink alcohol and exchange big ideas. Um, and so that's kind of the feeling that you get back in this, you know, secret tea pad. Um, that's like also like a found space. So you've got, you know, some cabinets that look like it could have been in your grandma's house and a lot mm-hmm. of like old things mixed with new. Um, and the whole store is designed by terpene profile because terpenes are actually a better way to describe how cannabis will make you feel than sativa and indica. With mm-hmm. breeding and genetics these days, you know, it's very, very difficult to even find a true sativa or a true indica. Almost everything out there is hybrids. And then if we call something a sativa and it doesn't give you the feeling that you expect, then you're like, oh, this newfangled weed isn't doing what it's you know supposed to and really you're not looking at the right indicators to give you um the best experience so we really work with our customer base in order to you know explain to them what terpenes are they're the oils in the plant um and you know those besides being aromatic um they help determine how that plant's going to make you feel so we have you know five main sections um you know, so for myrcene, we call that relax and um, beta-carophylline, we call it relieve and limonene is uplift. And it really allows people to say, hey, how do I want to feel? And then I'll go to the section where that, you know, terpene is strongest at. And it gives them other things to look at because a lot of times people are like, I just want to buy the cannabis with the most THC percentage. Well, we don't go to the bar and say, you know what, I just want to drink moonshine because it has the most alcohol content. Right. Like that's not how we make decisions. Um, 
And so we're giving people the tools to make better decisions to make sure that the cannabis consumption that they're doing meets their health goals and that they feel comfortable while doing it. So we have things like every product has a little tag that has, you know, a champagne glass rating system on it. So um, because we figured that champagne is something that's pretty universal, you know how you feel versus with one glass of champagne versus five glasses of champagne. And then you can say, hey, you know, I need a five champagne glass, you know, joint and I need a two champagne glass edible, um, you know, that allows me to be able to make, you know, choices about how I want to consume. We also do a lot of in-store education. Um, you know, I teach a class every other week called Tea and Terpenes, where we sit down in our, um, our back tea pad and literally drink tea and eat crumpets and learn, you know, Cannabis 101. What is, um, you know, a, a terpene? Um, you know, why should I think about bioavailability? Um, you know, what's the difference between um, the true differences between an indica and sativa? Um, and it allows people not only to grab all this information and be able to make better choices for themselves, but they're also going to share that information and help other people make better choices. It also helps them build community because a lot of people come in and they're like, I've never had a chance to sit down and talk to other people about my cannabis consumption or whatever, or, you know, um, my family doesn't like that I smoke, so I don't talk to them about it or whatever, but it's so cool to be able to just sit in this room and talk about, you know, the way I consume and um, learn new things. So it gives us a little bit of an opportunity to bond and connect. That's awesome. I think moms to our age, like I, the only reason we're so educated about all the different kinds of, of, you know, the ways that you can consume is because of the podcast. But when we talk to a lot of people, even people who are like patrons of ours, who, who really get to know us, they're still in the dark when it comes to all the different uh, consumption methods that there are now. Mm-hmm. And the ter- are. I love that your store is focused on the terpenes. That is amazing. I wish there were more dispensaries that did that. We don't have that availability here where we can be like, what are the terps in this specific strain? We have to look, look it up, you know, and then hope that it's even as close to tenders. what the internet says. Yeah. yeah. Even the butt tenders aren't and like well-versed in, in it. Yeah. I'm like, I learn um, on a daily basis. I mean, it's funny now that I'm teaching this class, how many people who come to take it are butt tenders at other people's dispensaries um, wow. who are like, I never learned any of this stuff. I want, you know, to, to bulk up. Um, I think it's really important that we're giving as much information as possible. And for me, that's the joy of legal weed um, mm-hmm. is the fact that, you know, this stuff is tested um, so I can get as much information as possible and uh, know what I'm consuming. People don't just drink, you know, uh, beers that some stranger off the street bottled themselves um, or whatever you want to know what you're consuming. Um, and in the same way, I kind of feel that way about cannabis. Now I want to know what it is. I, I wouldn't eat an edible that someone just handed me. I don't know if that's like a hundred milligrams or five milligrams. I need to make choices. Like eventually this kid's going to want dinner and I need my legs to work. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> like So in that same way, you know, I think that as an industry, we have a responsibility to push towards greater cannabis education. And that was our interview with Whitney Beatty. Please follow her on Instagram. She is at the high mommy life at wait, what is it? At the apothecary, apothecary, the apothecary and at Josephine and Billy's. The website is Josephine and Billy's.com. If you're watching all that information is up there. It's screenshot. I am so ready for a trip out to the West Coast. Yes. Uh, so we, we, she, we would be hitting her up. Josephine and Billy. It's lovely. Um, all the education and all the resources that she's providing uh, for us is great. 
to check her out. Hey, thank you to our sponsors. Fluent. Look right here. Oh, yeah, I'm wearing the shirt, <laughs> by the <laughs> way. There you go. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring our smoke sesh. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your weed. Special thank you to our patrons. And if you're still here listening, you should be one of our patrons. Oh, yes. Thank you All for that, that reminding right. thank us Thank you, there. Uncle Jesse. Alternative Products Expo. Go to that. March this weekend. 3rd to 5th, this we weekend. will be there. Yeah, get free tickets. Uh, we are posting about them this week. So. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned to our social media. Yeah, we'll post the link up for you and you can get free tickets. Even if you're not going, just get the free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to all of our patrons. You guys make it happen. Yanni. Destiny. Lauren. Jesse. Christy. Denise. Peaches. Meredith. Natalie. Angelina. Jenny. Catherine. Jay. Chrissy. Guillermo. Diane. Gabby. And, and Leslie. Leslie. You too could have your name read by one of our <laughs> lovely faces. Join our Patreon. Uh, you can get full access to uh, us. You can get full access to us, pretty much. Content that we sometimes don't ever air. Very exclusive yeah. content. Exclusive oh, merch. So much shit talking. Lots of random smoke sashes. <laughs> Vacations. <laughs> you know, all kinds of fun stuff. We'll, we'll tell you Swag. all about the vacation when we go. Yes. And then we'll surely you'll want to be a patron then. So please subscribe, rate, review, share our content, and go to our website, PotSmokingMoms.com, and we'll see you guys next week. And in the meantime, dance to our intro theme music. Now outro. Outro. <laughs>